Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 12. We're continuing our study of the one another's of the New Testament. It's a pronoun <clears throat> that occurs over 100 times. Now, we kicked off our series on the one another's by looking at the call to love one another. And that basically set the foundation. It's the springboard of all the other one another's. There's a sense in which all the other one another's of the New Testament sort of describe and define and flesh out loving one another. All the various elements of loving one another flow out are, are, the, are, the, are the, all the other one another's. This morning, our focus is going to be on the call to honor one another. You know what to honor someone means. It means to respect them. It means to treat them with dignity. It means to value them. It means to treat them and even help them feel the great worth that they have in the sight of God. And do we ever need to emphasize this one another in our day? I don't know if you know this or not, but do you have any idea what is the, the best-selling children's book of all time? I was surprised to find this out. It's Charlotte's Web by American author E.B. White. Greatest-selling children's paperback of all time. If you know anything about the story, it involves a spider named Charlotte and a pig named Wilbur. Now, we'll get into some more details as we go on. But when Charlotte and Wilbur first meet, Charlotte cries out, Salutations! And Wilbur has no idea what that means. And so Charlotte says, Oh, Wilbur, salutations is just a fancy way of selling, saying hello. And so Wilbur says, Oh, well, hello. And then he says, Hey! You know my name. What's yours? Charlotte says, well, it's Charlotte. And Wilbur says, that's a great name. And Charlotte responds, I've always thought so. And then Wilbur says, you know, since you said sal you that word, does that mean we're friends? And Charlotte says, hmm, I guess it does mean we're friends. And Wilbur starts jumping around the barn going, yeah, woohoo!" And then a rat named Templeton pipes up and says, yeah, woohoo! perfect. You've just become friends with somebody more despised than me, a spider. And Wilbur looks at Templeton and says, why would anybody despise Charlotte? She made that beautiful web, and it catches bugs, and it keeps the barn cleaner. 
And then Templeton says, look at her. Don't you find her a little, and Wilbur interrupts and says, I find her beautiful. And the sheep speaks up. And he says, I beg your pardon? Are we even looking at the same ruddy creature? And Wilbur says, I guess not. When it comes to how you look at other people, other Christians, work associates, neighbors, unbelievers, politicians, spouses, children, parents. Are we looking at the same person that God sees? Sadly, often not. So this morning, we're going to look at the call to truly honor one another. Romans 12 is a really critical transition in what is probably the most complete gospel letter in the entire Bible. Paul has just spent 11 chapters describing grace. He begins with expounding on our desperate need for grace, and then writes about God's provision of grace in Christ, then writes about our change in standing and status before God because of the work of grace. Then he talks about how grace doesn't really save us from the penalty of sin, but grace continues to work to transform us and release us continually from the power of sin, and then talks about that day when gloriously we will one day be freed by the power of grace from the very presence of sin itself. And then finally, after 11 full chapters on grace, the privileges of grace, Paul says, now let's not forget, there are responsibilities of grace as well. And one of the first responsibilities of grace that Paul calls us to is the call to honor one another, to treat one another with dignity, respect, value, worth. Now, when I prepare a message, and actually when I'm even reading Scripture in general, and I come across a verse that I'm not sure I really understand all that Paul or any of the authors of Scripture inspired by the Spirit, what they're actually writing, what I have learned to do is actually take out several translations. You know, we live in a, a blessed nation where we can buy multiple Bibles, and if you've not done this, let me encourage you to do that. You should have several translations in your home. And when you're looking at a passage, a text, a verse, 
you'll be amazed at what you can learn by just comparing several translations together. It tends to to nuance for us what's taking place in the original language and how people are working hard to try to get us to the meaning of what's in the biblical text. So this morning, we're only going to read one verse, but we're going to read it in four different translations to hopefully get us to hear the nuance of what Paul is talking about and what God means when he calls us to honor one another. So let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. And I'll start with our normal translation, which is the English Standard Version. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then you got the New International Version. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So a little bit of a different nuance, you see. And it helps us understand the complete meaning of the text. What, if I had my choice, uh, I think the New American Standard's probably the most accurate translation uh, of all. Um, But it's written at a 12th grade level. So, you know, some of us here might struggle with that. Uh, New American Standard, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. And then a relatively new translation, uh, the, uh, the Baptist Education Board puts this out. It's a great translation. It's called the Christian Standard Bible or the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdoing one another in showing honor. So you can see some of the similarities. You can see some of the differences. This is one of the easiest Bible study tools you could ever take advantage of. Just keep different translations in your home. Look at the verses. Look at the text. Because remember, it is the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic that is inspired and inerrant and infallible and authoritative. May God use His Word to bless us, to change us, and to make us a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that we have such confidence. Then we look at all the translations, we have the very word you've given. So, Lord, might we have such hope and encouragement in the Scriptures And we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray that through the power of that living word, you would change us this morning. Make us a church that honors one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. (coughs) By the way, I feel great. I just have this nagging cough that's driving me nuts. Three foundational motivations that will inspire us to honor one another. First of all, honor one another based on the image of God. In verse 10, we're called to outdo one another in showing honor. We're called to honor one another above ourselves. That word honor, of course, means to esteem. It means to treasure to look at one another as having great value, worth, 
and dignity. But the question is, what is the basis of honoring one another? Now listen carefully. In Roman culture, in Paul's day, and oftentimes in our culture as well, we believe honor is earned. We believe we show honor to those who deserve honor. That's the way the Romans were. That's the way many people today are. The New Testament completely alters that approach to honor. The world honors the successful, the beautiful, the skilled, sports heroes, successful executives, superstar actors, even, sadly, celebrity pastors. But God's Word says we don't honor people for their performance. We don't honor people for their position. We honor people for their very personhood. If you're here this morning, you are a person of great worth. No matter what you've been told, no matter what you believe about yourself, you need to know that simply by being created a human being, you are a person of great worth and value and honor. This is what the New Testament teaches. In James chapter 3, James is talking about the danger and the evil potential of the tongue. And he says, with the same tongue, we bless God and simultaneously curse people who are made in the image of God. The basis of showing honor to one another is that we are image bearers. We bear some of the glory and honor of the eternal God. Every single one of us. That is what it means, in part, to be human. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness. So God created mankind in His own image, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know, Paul here in in Romans 12.10 says to the church, honor one another. Peter takes it even further. In 1 Peter 2.17, Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit, says, honor everyone. Everyone. You know what that means in the Greek? Everyone. Everyone, because every single person on the planet is an image bearer. Now listen, this doesn't mean we agree with everything every person thinks. This doesn't mean we condone what every person does. It does mean, regardless of what they think or what they do, God created them with honor and glory as image bearers. Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5. 
What is man, mankind, that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You have, you have, you, God, have crowned humanity with glory and honor. God sees every human being as having glory and honor. And to be an image bearer, we are to reflect God's image by honoring the image of God in one another. We show respect to others. We treat each each other with dignity, worth, and value, not because they deserve it, but because they are based in the image of God. They are image bearers. C.S. Lewis has written a famous sermon. Many of us have heard of it. If you've not read it, I would really encourage you to do so. But it's called The Weight of Glory. Listen to some of these words that he wrote. There are no ordinary people. You here this morning? You watching online? There are no ordinary people. You're not ordinary. None of the people you work, live, and play around are ordinary. We are extraordinary image bearers. He goes on to say, you have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals with whom we joke, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Next to the blessed sacrament of the Lord's Supper, listen to this, next to the blessed sacrament of the Lord's Supper, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses every day. It may be possible for each of us to think too much of our own glory and honor. It is hardly possible for one to think too often or too deeply about the glory and honor of one another. You know, very few people in the world feel valued. Most of us have wrestlings with feeling significant, feeling we're people of dignity, value. How could we change lives if we began to honor one another? Not based on performance, not based on position. Say, hey, you are a special creation of God. God himself values you. God created you with worth and dignity. No matter what you've heard, no matter what you think of yourself, believe what God says about you. You see, it's so important to believe we are people of value because rarely are you going to find someone who looks at themselves as unworthy to treat others as valuable. You're probably going to treat others the way you feel about yourself. 
And until we recognize as image bearers our value, worth, and dignity, we're probably not going to treat others that way either. Honor one another based on the image of God. And then secondly, honor one another based on the character of Christ. If the first point emphasized that we don't honor people because they perform or because of their position, but because of their personhood, this point emphasizes we don't honor people because they deserve it. As a matter of fact, what this point emphasizes is whether or not we honor someone says more about us than it does the other person. Can I say that again? Whether or not you and I honor one another says more about our character than the deservedness of the one being shown honor. Jesus spent his entire life fulfilling Romans 12.10. Jesus outdid everyone in showing honor. Philippians 2 is all about this. In humility, Paul writes, count others more important than yourselves. You see that? That doesn't doesn't mean they've deserved or earned you to do that. That is a choice that flows out of who we are. That is a choice, a mindset, an attitude, a mentality that flows out of Christ in us. Christ bore the perfect image of God. And as the perfect human who was the perfect image bearer, he spent his life living out the character of honoring others before himself. Paul continues, have this mind in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, this is an attitude we're to adopt. The more and the longer we walk with Christ, being changed by His grace, the more we reflect the character of Christ that honors others. Though Jesus was God and lived in the form of God, He emptied Himself and took the form of a servant. Now, what's interesting is you tie Romans 12, Philippians 2, and 1 Peter 2, 17 together. Peter says we've been set free by the power of Christ, by the redemptive blood of Christ. And now, how do we use that freedom? Peter says, honor everyone. So notice, Jesus honored people not because they earned it, but because of who he was. Jesus honored people not because of who they were, although they were image bearers. He honored people because of he, who he was. When it comes to us honoring our spouses or our children or our work associates or our neighbors or even non-Christians in the world, when it comes to us honoring one another, it has more to do with who we are than who other people are. See, this is why we need the gospel so desperately. I find in myself, I want to receive honor. And that doesn't mean I want, like, praises. That means I long for people to affirm that I have value, that I have worth. I want to be treated with dignity. 
But oh, how quickly I can judge other people. Well, they don't deserve my honor. So what do I do? I say to myself, well, I guess the gospel needs to be true, doesn't it? This is why Jesus died. Because we aren't a people who honor one another. We're a people who struggle to honor those that that don't have what we respect in people. And we need the character of Christ to be formed afresh in us. And that only happens as we admit we don't have the character of Christ. Do you get that? You want the character of Christ? It begins with admitting you don't have it. You want to honor one another? You don't just, okay, let's get busy. I'm going to start honoring people. No, you recognize how you fail to honor people. Treat them with dignity, respect, worth, value. And then you bring that to Christ. You bring that to the cross. And you say, oh, Jesus, I'm so unlike you. Work that in me, please. You know, honor is talked about all through Scripture. The fifth commandment in Exodus 20. Children, honor your mother and father. Honor your parents. Paul repeats it. The New Testament, the whole Bible repeats it. And of course, as we look at our standards, the Westminster standards, it, it, it relates to all authority, governors and people in authority. But Peter takes it and applies it to everybody. Honor everyone. And of course, it does include mothers and fathers. But mothers and fathers can be spiritual too. Have you noticed that, that uh, some cultures are just known for honoring the aged, honoring the elderly? Whether it's, it's bowing or whether it's deferring in some way, whether it's serving them and acknowledging them in some way. Some cultures just excel in honoring the aged. A Colorado State University study broke this down and began to look at different cultures, particularly cultures in the East and cultures in the West. They found that cultures in the West, by the way, that includes us, tend to be prejudicial cultures, what they call ageist cultures. And you can see this in America. In other words, Western cultures tend to value youthfulness, the young the productive. Interestingly, this study reveals Eastern cultures, of which, of course, the Old Testament, Israel, was part of, Eastern cultures tend to actually honor the aged and honor the aging process. And they treat older people with sometimes more reverence, more dignity, more respect because they're seen for their wisdom and their experience and their counsel. Now, this next conclusion of the study, I hope burns you up because it burned me up. Here's one of the conclusions of the Colorado State University study. The reason, they say, that Eastern cultures are better at honoring the aged for their wisdom and experience is because of the Eastern culture's connection to Confucianism. Confucius, in his teachings that really have impacted Eastern culture, 
honors the aged. I'm thinking, wait a minute. The, the whole point of Western culture, at least in many of our minds, is who needs Confucius? We're connected to Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of much of Western culture. And so it means we've lost something of the character of Christ in the translation. See, the West values character, but the character the way we want to define it, according to our value system. We got to get back to the biblical value system. And the biblical value system values valuing others. Christ-like character has as much to do with an attitude of honoring one another than any other character quality that you can come up with. And sadly, the Western church has lost that perspective. We are not known. The American church is not known as a place that honors one another or even honors the image of God in every human being. So how might you be minimizing the Christ-like characteristic of honoring one another. What do you do? Acknowledge it. Don't fall off into shame and guilt and self-condemnation. Recognize this is why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to merely save us from hell. Jesus came to change us day in, day out, to conform us to His image. And part of His image is being people that honor everyone. Honor one another based on the image of God. Honor one another based on the character of Christ. And then thirdly and finally, honor one another based on the presence of the Spirit. (coughs) We're to outdo one another in showing honor. Applies broadly to all humans. But Paul is specifically applying this to the church, to Christians. Honor one another in the church. Now, what is a Christian? We could describe a Christian in many ways. It's obviously someone who's transferred their trust from their own righteousness, their own good works, and cast themselves completely on the finished work of God in Christ based on the promises of grace. That's what a Christian is. That's how we become a Christian. But Galatians 3 reveals that Paul defines a Christian as somebody who has received the Spirit. Somebody who is indwelt by the Spirit of God. There is no Christian that doesn't have the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. Do you realize then, because of that truth, that every single Christian you run into, even the ones you disagree with, are temples of the living God Himself. Every Christian you talk to, that you meet, is a temple of the living God. 
And we are to honor that in one another. Even in the ways in which we might disagree. And then we need to ask ourselves, when Paul describes a Christian as someone who is indwelt by the Spirit, how do we get that Spirit? Christ purchased that Spirit for us with His own blood. The word honor doesn't just mean respect, dignity. The word honor is the same word that is used throughout the New Testament for price or value or treasure. So, how much respect, dignity, and worth do you treat something with? Well, one way to discern that is by looking at the price somebody's willing to pay to buy it, right? That would be the honor in the Greek. That would be the honor or the price or the value of an object, the price that is being paid or willing to be paid. So, every Christian you come into contact with, Peter says and Paul says, has been purchased not with silver or gold or perishable things, but with the precious, infinite value of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's another reason we treat each other with respect. We're not just image bearers. It doesn't just flaw out of who we are more than who they are. But then it does relate to the fact that Jesus Christ paid an infinite price for the Christian sitting or standing next to you. See, we appraise value to things based on what's willing to be paid. Jesus paid His blood. And so part of honoring one another is calling that out of each other, reminding one another of our value, of how we're treasured possessions of God and the price that He paid. Close with going back to Charlotte's Web. If you don't know the backstory, <clears throat> Wilbur the pig is sold to the farm where Charlotte is because Wilbur's going to be fattened up and become Christmas dinner. He doesn't know this at first. And then he finds out, and he's in a panic. Charlotte's his deepest friend, so he pours his heart out to Charlotte, and Charlotte tries to think of what she can do. And Charlotte is trying to find ways to honor Wilbur so that Wilbur is at peace, but also to honor Wilbur in such a way that the farmer would stop thinking about Wilbur as Christmas dinner and start thinking of Wilbur as something so much more, so much more valuable than dinner. And so Charlotte begins to weave messages and spin messages in her web. And the first message is some pig. And the farmer comes out and sees the message and looks at Wilbur and says, huh, some pig. Now, I would have thought some spider. <laughs> Be that as it may, the farmer begins to treat Wilbur differently. And Wilbur also begins to change in according to how he's being treated. 
and honored. Then the next day, or a little bit longer after that, Charlotte weaves and spins, terrific. And the farmer begins to think, wow, I've got a terrific pig here. I can't slaughter him. And then she spins, radiant. I've got some pig. I've got a terrific pig. I've got a radiant pig. And then the final message is humble. I have a humble, terrific, radiant, some pig. And because of Charlotte honoring Wilbur, he is saved. But in preserving Wilbur's life, Charlotte expends so much energy that she loses hers. Jesus is the best and truest Charlotte. He spent his life to honor us as image bearers. Broken, fallen, in need of redemption. And he paid the full price. And he then calls us as his people to begin to change the world life by life by choosing to have the attitude of honoring one another. If the world could see the church as a place that has a Savior that calls us to honor one another because the God who is has honored us, we may see people come to Christ like we've never seen people come to Christ before. If you're here, you are precious. You are valuable. If you know Christ, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and live to honor one another. Let's pray. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, we pray that today would be the day that their eyes are open and they realize that it does no good just to try to be better. Just like it's not going to do us as Christians any good just to try harder to honor people. We need to acknowledge our need. And so, Lord, may people cry out to you today for salvation. And if they already know you, then enable us to cry out for change. God, thank you for honoring us with bearing your image. Jesus, thank you for modeling what it means to live to honor others. Spirit of God, thank you that you long to honor others through us. Jesus, thank you for showing our worth by giving your blood as the redemption price. God, thank you for sending Jesus who died that we might live. Help us to be a church that honors others and use it to draw people to Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen.
Let's all stand here. The benediction. <coughs> the uh, God's honoring of you one last time here in this service. And now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you his peace and grace always. Amen.